I mean, it's Charles Durning, so he's always going to look like a seasoned pro no matter what the heck he's doing. You're seasoned like, for sure. <laughs> you're like, you're Emphasis seasoned. on the seasoned. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> Ooh, with sauce. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide, Disco Citizens, the podcast where gore hounds and best friends, Terry Gamble and Julia Marchesi, break down a different horror movie each week, exploring a multitude of genres, sub-genres, and sub-sub-genres, classic and cult, international and underground flicks alike, determining which films are the goriest, and offering up horror movie survival guide tips to, to help, help you stay alive. Ready, steady, go, and all the things she said. Hey, oh my it's God, horror. Are we dancing today? <laughs> Let's just start it off with some music. Hey, I'm Julia. This is Terry. We are horror movie survival guide. How you doing, Terry? Oh my God, I am like so happy to hang out with you, like always, as ever. But mm. if you're gonna sing to me at the top of the show, I am already in, as you know. Oh <laughs> and my! And pi- picturing them on the roof in Empire Records—that's what I was doing. We oh. are talking about 1972 Sisters. Title of this episode is "I Know Karate," and title <laughs> of this episode—I mean, tagline for this movie. Tagline for this movie. I'm good. I'm going. Uh, <laughs> what the devil hath joined together, let no man cut asunder. This was written by Louisa Rose and Brian De Palma, who also directed the film. Uh, I am a De Palma fan, but I'm you are only, a I, oh, huge De Palma fan. I You've am seen a huge most De Palma of the stuff. I think on the no. big screen. But uh, okay, but here's the thing. I know De Palma from like the mid '80s backwards. Like, I don't know anything. I've not seen Mission Impossible. I haven't seen like any of the newer ones. So you give me like 80s and below and I'm like De Palma all over the place. Oh my God, Julia, there's a whole nother world on the other side. Holy yeah, I know. Mother freaking goodness. I, I got more to the, go, but I just like, okay. and I, I just, cause he I'm so like much- shocked. I didn't realize that about you. Yeah. I thought you had seen way more. Okay. Okay. I got, I got it. I will. But you know, I think his early stuff, I'm really into uh, a Phantom of the Paradise. Um, I love Just to Kill. Um, Keith Gordon, our buddy, was on yes. the show, and I, uh, I love him so much. Um, yes, we do. Yeah, um, it's amazing. No, I, I love Blowout, that. It, which I think is his yeah. masterpiece. Well, it's like your aesthetic and everything, and I feel stylistically, I get it, and I see all of that. It's just fun, actually, too, watching this film to see. I can see his fingerprint on horror in general, and mm-hmm. like so many people have stolen. Yeah. from this and I was like oh it's an homage Terry it's an homage you know no, I'd love to steal too hello I mean you know I'm a little I'm a thief I'll take it if it's if it's fun um and you want to perform it you know and, and create something new out of it too obviously and like you know nod to it but I was like holy goodness there's some fun stuff lately that's very this so I, this was really fun to watch and be like oh well, for me it was like a discovery so yeah and great. I'm so excited to talk about because I hadn't seen mm-hmm. this one so this one's brand new me to neither. me neither uh, so that's always very exciting. So, you know, you start out uh, music by Bernard Herrmann. You're like, oh, OK, here we are. And also uh, this is released by it's Criterion and Janice and American International, which is like the craziest trio. And I'm like, OK, here we go. Everybody's in on this movie right on. I was like, you know, it's going to be good when you see that little when you see those logos pop up. I was like, OK, we're in for some a treat today. I do yeah. get very excited when I see those pop up because I'm like, oh, OK, OK. Yeah. Hi, Criterion see, Those collection. are like stamps of approval right you oh, know, yeah. a little bit you're just life like, okay. goal is to uh to be one of the people to be in the criterion closet where you get to like go through and pick out the ones that and talk about it They're amazing so i believe in uh you. we start mm-hmm. in this movie a man in a locker room uh, no, no, and right the- before credits oh. you just got to talk about that it's a fetus in the credits and it's just oh. a close-up for about two three minutes 
in the credits of a fetus. And I was like, is this a Roe versus Wade movie? Like what's happening? But it's just fetus credits. Now we start. Two gentlemen in a locker room uh, and there is a there's like the locker rooms uh, are being renovated. So there's a gap between the men's and the women's and a blind lady come in who is Marco Kidder and starts getting undressed and she's blind. Right. So she doesn't know that he's there and he's got the the moral decision of does he say something or does he not say something or does he watch this hot lady disrobe? Yeah, just stand there and do nothing. And then they're like, dun, 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 dun. I was like, oh, no, no, no. I was already cringing, cringing. And then I was like, oh, it's a freaking hidden camera show called Peeping Tom. I was like, oh, and it's like that would you rather like worst or like case scenario kind of TV show, which they still have on to this day on regular ass TV, which I just always like, can- find just horrible. Like Candid Camera? Yeah. No, like if there's one called like it's like not called Candid Camera, but it's like would you like it's like they put people in just like terrible scenarios it's okay. still on tv well this is one of the things that i absolutely love about brian de palma is he's so into voyeurism and it put it's in every single one of his movies and it's got i mean hitchcock was too right but they like he takes it he's able to you know a lot of people say he stole and or homage a lot of hitchcock stuff but he's like he's able because he's taught he's working in the 70s to go way further than hitchcock was allowed so you're getting that perviness that's like times 10 and i'm here for the pervy- the voyeurism. Like, it feels like nineteen yeah. like seventies Times Square, and I know that's Julia's aesthetic. Yes. So that's what I'm, I'm sure you're like. You're like, is there a peep show? Can we go in? It's like no peep shows are not Christmas, Julia. Oh wait, maybe they are for you. <laughs> so anyway, yay, yay. Uh, so it's so a game we... show set up, yeah. And and this guy, he ends up being chivalrous and and saying the right thing, and like actually, I, I guess winning it. So yeah. And it, it's you know the seventies game show, which is delightful. And they come out, and they both look so awkward, like they both don't really want to be there. Uh, so this is uh, Margot Kidder plays a character named Danielle Breton, uh, who is from Quebec. So we with get her, her delicious Quebecois accent. And so I think it was interesting because Margot Kidder was also in Black Christmas, mm-hmm. um, which is a Canadian film. Yes. Oui. So oui. does Margot Kidder uh, speak uh, parlez-vous français? I don't you know. know. How, how was her Quebecois accent? Her Quebecois wasn't, wasn't too bad. I've been to Montreal a bunch. My best friend does a killer Quebecois. Shout out to Joe. We love you. Because um, he went to circus school there. So he lived there for years, for like six years. Um, and he speaks fluent, you know, French, but with a very Quebecois accent. And it always delights me. And we just say, way a lot. <laughs> so I thought she was fine. I thought it was fine. I mean, obviously, I'm not from there, but I, it didn't throw me out. It didn't sound like she wasn't from there, like okay. knowing a lot of Quebecois. Uh, I just folks. wondered why, why? Like she, this character, there's nothing about her that needs to be from Canada, really. It don't could, you want to hear Margot Kidder no, do a French accent? Just no, for it's funsies, fine. Like it's but, like a little cosplay. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, I would make her do it too. She but sounds it, pretty cute. <laughs> but but I'm just interested to see why uh, why Brian Obama made that choice. I'm like, okay. I she's, think it she's, makes she's, her seem more innocent somehow. Like even in this first scene that they're about to have, like right after they, you know, win the game show and they get these random gifts. Um, you these know, gifts. She, my God. Fucking awful. Fucking awful. I but, was cringed at the, and at the you're very suppo- moment. You're supposed to be, right? Yeah. So, so she wins a cutlery set. Wee! And then he wins. Because she's the- a woman and she should be in the kitchen. Exactly. And because but also he's because a- she, you know, might have been a conjoined twin and she needs knives. Uh, this could come in handy later. Uh, but he, uh, this is uh, Philip, who's the other guy who uh, won the game show with her, uh, is a black man. And they give him a free dinner for two at the African room. And you're like, and it's 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 for me it's like he obviously didn't know he's on a hidden camera show right and then there's this embarrassment of 
peeping Tom. Like that's embarrassing. And then they embarrass him on top of that with this gift. And I was like, it's so terrible. And it's meant to be terrible, right? It's meant to be everybody. Like, this goes, feels just so racist. It's so uncomfortable. And, and it's and supposed cringy. to be. That's yeah. terrible. And he's like an ad manager for, you know, like he's like for like a newspaper and like, you know, she, he's like this professional man. Do you know what I mean, though? Like, and he's this beautiful professional black male. And it's just really it is kind of upsetting, very upsetting. But they she's like, well, you know, they run into each other kind of after they're walking out. And she's like, well, do you need someone to go use that gift certificate with? Because I'm kind of hungry. We haven't eaten all day kind of thing. And he's like, actually, sure. So. He takes her with them and they're vibing. Clearly, she's mm -hmm. like, well, I know you didn't see me naked, but maybe you kind of still want to, you know, kind of feel. <laughs> and so they have a nice little dinner out. And it's very cute hearing her speak all that stuff, I think, in that space. She also seems kind of oblivious to the fact that it's a terrible place. But he's like, oh, if we're going to get a free dinner, might as well be this, you know. Mm hmm. But there's also dancing going on in that place. Some dancing. I'm like, I'm in for some 70s dancing. Uh, so they, we now find uh, one of our favorites. So if you know uh, Fam of the Paradise, you know the the genius that is William Finley, who is one of his favorites, Brian De Palma favorites, who I have never seen him this sleazy. This was the sleaziest. Like he, you just see him and you're like, Ugh, <laughs> no. He's the opposite of his opening character, like archetype in Phantom of the Paradise, which is kind of mm -hmm. this like sweet doof who's just seems to be talented. This guy, that's why I think he, they made them French ish, like or Quebecois ish or whatever, like foreign ish. Um, and so he has like a beret kind of vibe kind of guy, like he's going to twirl his mustache the whole movie kind of like vibe to him. Mm -hmm. um, not that that's like, unhot, you guys. Um. <laughs> he, he is very creepy uncle. Uh, he mm -hmm. also looks like he's been like dipped in a vat of Vaseline and is just the greasiest man. So she, he comes in to the place and has to be forcibly removed because he won't leave her alone. Yeah, he's at the restaurant. And so she's like, yeah, that's my ex-husband. Sorry, he bothers me and he follows me all the time. And so, you know, Phil being a gentleman, like calls the waiter over and tells them, please exit this man. And they're obliged and carry the man out. Um, and so he's, uh, Phil decides to be noble again and continue to, he's like, hey, I'm going to take you, um, get you home, you know, make sure you're okay. Cause she's had quite a few. She's having a good time having those tiki drinks and, you know, she's beautifully intoxicated and slurring her little Quebec words a little bit. Very, very sexy. It's very sexy. Um, <laughs> but her home it, is in Staten Island. They're in Midtown, y'all. They're in like man, heart of Manhattan. If you guys know New York <laughs> geography, that's like being like, I'm on the other side of the world. <laughs> For a New Yorker, you have to go on a boat to get to Staten Island. You have to take the ferry. So he takes her on the ferry. What a gentleman. But, you know, also uh, she's kind of hot and a little bit drunk. So let's just say we escort her home. And of she course, she looks like an angel when they're on the ferry. Like she's she dressed all in white and, you know, the light hits them just so. And of course, they share a sweet little kiss on the ferry ride home. And he's like, all right. We're heading home, heading to home base. Might be worth this ride all the way out to the island. Yeah. And, you know, there's such a good job of making her. She's got that like sweet little face that, you know, just looking so, so angelic. So our friend uh, Emil, who was played by William Finley, is in the yard already. He's already gotten there waiting for them. Uh, and Philip is able to give him the old slipperoo by going around the block and parking in the back so that he thinks that he's left, but actually he's come back upstairs. Uh, and and Philip, honestly, amazingly cool about weirdo ex-husband that, you know, 
but what can you do? Right? You just go, okay, it's just going to probably be going to be for one night. So like, it's fine. Like you can deal with what. Well, he obviously doesn't know the like weight of how often this guy is really there and what this relationship is really like, but also like she's been very sweet and hot. She doesn't seem like she's like that type of a person. It's also the wild seventies in New York. So I feel like there's a little, I don't know, a little bit of leeway for some shenanigans, right? Yeah, and we get so, some tits. Mm-hmm. We get some always appreciated. She just robes nicely in front of him, and you know she's drunkenly like disrobing, very cute. They start making out, and then we she he slide in his hand up her thigh, and then we the reveal of a a very large scar on her hip, uh, and so. Uh, the next morning we find out she has she has some red pills that she's taking and she sets two on the last two she has on the sink, uh, takes the one that she has. And she seems like she really needs those pills. Like she comes in really kind of frantic and is like, this is the thing that I need. It's going to calm me down. We hear her having a shouting match with Dominique, who is her identical twin sister. Uh, and they are, are they're fighting in the hall because she Dominique hates it when anybody takes uh, Danielle away. So they're having this 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 ba- battle in the hallway that Philip kind of overheals. Yeah, the sisters' chat turns into a fight, and it's all in French, so he can hear some of it. But it's like some of it he doesn't always understand, you know. Um, and um, you know, she uh, comes back, but Phil goes in the bathroom in the meantime and accidentally knocks those pills down the drain because he doesn't see them as he's, you know, kind of looking around. And um, it's kind of get it dire real quick. She's going to need those. So she makes a call trying to get them and, you know, get a prescription with her doctor. And they come out to $7.68 in 1972. That sounds pretty expensive still for a prescription for those pills too, but right? The, the fact that also she can send Philip to go get pills for her. Like you couldn't go get pills for me. Like they're like, you know, it's very stringent about it now. Like you have to pick up your own stuff. Uh, Unless you have like a, you know, power of attorney or like you have to get some sort of like note though or some sort of notation back, you know, um, now. But um, it's also yeah, the so- girl's birthday. Uh, so yeah. he decided to go out and get them a birthday cake uh, where Olivia Takakis is just chilling, just in the back. Uh, so great. And how sweet to get her a birthday cake. Um, so he wants them to write on it. So it says happy birthday to Danielle and Dominique. Uh, they wrap it up all nice and off he goes. But the regular cake decorating lady is not there. So thank goodness. Just kidding. She does a terrible job. She's not as good as the normal lady. So the handwriting's like, okay. But the thought is definitely there. <laughs> yeah, it is. And uh, so then he he comes back. Um, and we also have this great um, intercutting of when they're writing on the cake, kind of very, very slowly. And um, I love and then then like her writhing on the floor waiting for her pills. So she just took a pill maybe an hour ago. And already she's like, I need another one. So it doesn't seem like it's a prescription like you take once a day. It's like you, it's like take as needed kind of stuff. Uh, if she can fill uh, whatever's coming on, whatever we don't know yeah. yet, what her ailment is. Yeah, it seems like something's definitely aggravated it, and it seems like it's possibly connected to hooking up that night before. So I don't know what the deal is with it all together at this point either. And I love that she's in the Alexander Hamilton building. Just made me laugh a little bit. What it, I don't know. I what started that is. singing Hamilton, just oh. Alexander Hamilton, just you know, and on my brain. All of a sudden, I was like, okay, Hamilton. <laughs> anyway, musical theater nerd hanging out. Anyway, the ex-husband he's smoking in his car outside, so he's been on watch. He's waiting, and he sees the guy go back in the building now. 
So now he's definitely on higher alert than he was thinking that the guy had left. So he's going to end up coming up there to check in on her and make sure everything's okay. Um, but before he, the husband's able to come in and check on her, Phil makes it up there. He lights the candles on the cake to surprise her and brings her, of course he brings a big ass, big ass knife over with him. To um, cut the cake with. Yeah. You know, just as you do, cause normal people just would be able to cut the cake, but she's probably not a girl you want to bring a knife around. And we find out or real swiftly, um, as she, uh, blows up the cake and basically stabs him in the in, leg and the crotch, mm-hmm. uh, and, and in the face. Mm hmm. Um, so he uh, kind of w- drags himself over to the window and is uh, putting his hands up to the window. And there is a woman living across the way. Who Grace Collier. Grace Collier. Uh, play, but she, we, we know her name. Uh, she is a reporter played by Jennifer Salt. And De Palma really loves this kind of rear window apartment to apartment. Uh, I just got to see one of his early movies, High Mom, on the big screen, which is De Niro kind of being a a voyeur through through to the next apartment so it's 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 a it's a fun device and used to the extreme in this movie uh it really is the hinging point in this whole film absolutely and so danielle wakes up when we get like a split screen again to beautiful de palma split screen that we love Mm. to see like multiple things happen we love a multiple um (laughs) And so um, we see her waking up and we see, you know, as we see um, Phil writing help in the window with his blood, like it's like it's getting very intense, like because, you know, he's he's really struggling and they're not able to do much. Um, And so um, uh, Emil makes his way upstairs and actually helps, you know, clean up this dead man who has as Phil has passed helps clean up everything. But Grace Collier is calling the police. But Grace Collier is, of course, an uber feminist and has written some not so nice things about the police. This feels very modern. Like this yeah. could happen right now, this whole thing of the police. So the not police are to- like, oh, you wrote bad things about us? We're going to do about as little as we can to help you now. So you've just oh, less. Like, fucked Sorry, yourself less. real nice. <laughs> She'll do even less. You think we do a bad job when we do our job? We're not going to do any job. You want us to come over right now? When? Hold on. So tell us more about your story. Like, and they keep like stalling her. And so the longer that they wait, they even stop her at the bottom of the stairs and try to get a whole story. She's like, get upstairs. Somebody is in like need right now. Why are you asking me more questions? Just go up and assess the situation. The time is ticking. Okay, please. And it's just crickets from them. And they're literally moving at the rate of molasses, Mm -hmm. going over to the elevator, letting people down. Like, it's just, you know, a whole like a comedy routine almost with these guys. And and as the audience, you're going, oh my God. Uh, so Emil Yelling and- at the screen, Julia. Yes. Fucking yelling at the screen <laughs> at them. Uh, so we see Danielle and she looks totally different. She does, you know, after she stabs him, she, they, she, they do a close-up on her face and it looks insane. Like it's she a- looks real- she looks twang. Like, but like in a very strange way that you don't normally say. Like she's not doing the like crazy wild on, like I'm shaking and going all over the place. It's just kind of- vacant it's very it's very well done uh so he decides because they know that people are coming up to fold the body in the couch yeah like, Emil, so it's like a pull husband, out couch and so they fold him into the couch and they, he cleans up real good like I, obviously he's adept at cleaning up bloody situations it looks like like he's probably done it mm, some multiple times i'm guessing um just based on how he's so you know efficient at it and i think that's why he's always lurking because he's ready to be the cleaner 
Um, so he's so, like a, mm-hmm. a little bit of like a Renfield, isn't he? Who's just kind yeah. of like waiting in the wings to help whenever needed. But a little a- bit, but he's also a doctor. So he has yeah. that like know-how of how to clean medical situations, I guess, too, because he's got a medical background. But yeah, he, he is giving kind of Renfield vibes of like, I know she's probably going to crack, but I think she's really hot and I still love her and I will always be there for her. So um, you know, he, he does the cleanup and, you know, the detective Kelly and Spinelli are in there checking it all out and they find, you know, a gorgeous, you know, Marco Kidder opening the door for them and they go, oh, okay, well, sure. What's the problem, hot lady? Like, they- I'm just in the middle of getting dressed. I'm just in my silky robe. Like, mm-hmm. okay. She knows exactly what she's doing. She's thrown on some makeup. She's looking gorgeous as always. And that's why it's so cute in that little Quebecois accent, you know, oh, just a little undressed, just getting dress julia so um they um don't believe grace at all and basically you know steamroll through kind of like in softball the interview they're and missing she, major sorry. major details and she's going through the apartment with them trying to like pull out clues she finds the cake uh with both of the girls names on it and she goes over to show the detectives and falls and smashes the cake and there goes that and so they look at her like she's even stupider now they're like, look at you klutz like it's it's so obnoxious well, she ruined the like the, her only like kind of solid ish piece of evidence, um, and so she realizes that they're not going to do anything. Um, so she's on a major mission now. You can see her kind of like set in. It's like Final Girl kind of mode where she's like, "Okay, I've got my idea. I know what I need to prove. I know what I need to go do." And since she's a reporter, at least she's adept at researching something. So she's like, if "They're not going to believe me. I'm going to get all these pieces together and figure this the fuck out." But it so, also kind of mm-hmm. serves her in a way because now you know the article that she probably has in mind at the end of this is. Re- really talking about how the cops are terrible now, but also getting the glory of solving a murder, right? So I feel like there's that reporter side of her that's excited. Like she's, you know, she wants to help this person, but also eh, it's kind of helpful to her as well. It might help her career because she works for the Staten Island Panorama and she doesn't really want to do that much longer. It sounds like she's also been relegated because she's a female too. I think she's kind of got that feminist edge too of like, I'm getting all these puff pieces. I also do like a lot of like obituaries and that kind of thing, which is a lot of people do for entry level um, journalist jobs. Um, But she feels like she wants to move beyond it. She talks to her mother trying to get help and stuff too. And so her mom's kind of on her mission with her um, to help her, you know, move move up her station. Um, So she, you know, is on a mission. She goes and stops by um, the, the bakery. Mm-hmm. That she saw because she saw the box, the name on top, and she investigates and talks to the lovely Olympia Dudakakis and some other <laughs> fine folks uh, at the bakery, and they suss out that it is, you know, oh yeah, 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 I remember that guy. They were like, it was a colored gentleman, and so she's like, dun dun dun, major detail. Um, so who was the black gentleman that you know made it back to the apartment with with Miss Breton? And so she calls into the newspaper and it's like, hey, I got a, I got a lead, I got a story, and this is even more serious than people thought. And this is what's happening. So, of course, they don't really listen to her very much. Uh, So she actually gets put in contact with a Joseph Larch private investigator who is Charles Durning, who is delightful and gets very little screen time in this movie. But I could have a whole spinoff of this character, you know, the crusty detective who knows all. He's not mean, but he's just like, I know what I'm doing, lady. Like, I, I got it. 100% but she's like but I know karate which I love Um, and so they kind of have a little mini 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 face off which is just delightful Um, but um, 
Yeah, he's great. He's he's definitely that seasoned pro. I mean, it's Charles Durning, so he's always going to look like a seasoned pro no matter what the heck he's doing. You're seasoned like, for sure. <laughs> you're like, you're Emphasis seasoned. on the seasoned. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> Sorry. Ooh, sauce. Um, no, for sure. And so he's from the Brooklyn Institute of Modern Investigation, and he's lovely. Um, and Larch is his character name, and he's he's so fun. So he's like, you know, we got to figure it out. So he concocts a ruse with her to break into the apartment and search around, has a signal planned with her, like make this phone call, call once, hang up. Um, When you see them in there, I'm going to go in and and see what I can figure out. So in the meantime, he realizes that it's in the couch. um, And then um, uh, uh, Grace sees the couch come out. In, in the movie in a moving truck and goes up oh, there's the couch and so they're on a mission to follow the couch which is all of this is so wonderful this this varies that you're following a couch now like like this is all hinges on a couch like a white couch which you know i guess horrible survival guy tip don't have a white couch because the blood shows or do if you want help from the police i don't know what the what the solution is there but they end up following uh the couch we also meet uh and the he plays a he plays grandpa in and the lost boys um who is he's so so delightful so i did is, not put that together right now sorry i'm just delighted by that julia thank you go on but yes so. then of course i would then of course i uh, that's how my brain works it's like the second I, i'm like oh uh this is bernard hughes uh i go oh yeah that guy so this is the guy that she talks to who uh also works he has worked with the breton twins as because they were a big sensation because they were Siamese twins and they were conjoined twins. And they were were the Blanchon twins because they're Breton now is the married name. So the Blanchon twins. Uh, So they have a file from the the Louisel Institute. So we know that they have, they were uh, orphaned and grew up there. And that, so they were raised in an Institute, which we probably wouldn't make you a real normal person, but also there seem to be some mental health issues going on as well. Some huge ones. And this is, I love this. This is March 27th, 1948. And I was like, oh, I was watching this, I think, right on March 27th. So this is kind of delightful. That's Um, always amazing when that happens. Yeah. I was like, (gasps) how do they know? (laughs) It's the birthday. Like, (laughs) I'm supposed to watch this today. Um, And so um, they were, you know, he goes into the history, which is love. I was like, oh, this is my exposition, man. I love Mm you. Mm -hmm. Um, Giving me the history of like Siamese twins and like, you know, different ones and how often they're not usually, you know, um, separated depending on, you know, what, um, because sometimes often depending on what parts you're sharing, you can't always survive without the other. Um, And they happen to be of this type of persuasion where it's not going to be best. Like one of them is probably going to pass away um, if they do do the separation. Um, but something emergency happened of some sort, um, supposedly, and they were separated, but they worried about the psychological balance because they were conjoined by their spinal column. So they had a spinal conjoinment. So it's like some neurological issues would probably be present. Um, so Dominique was disturbed and Danielle was, quote unquote, the normal sweet one. Um, and so they were worried that the separation would um, further uh, separate them as far as their personalities Um, So we find out that Dominique actually died on the operating table. So who was Danielle talking to then? Hmm. Interesting. So, uh, of course, Grace finds Emile and starts following him around because she's a good reporter as well and trying to figure out what they're 
doing and so she finds out that she he's the doctor right he's her doctor and this is like so it's not just ex-husband it's also i raised you from the time you were born and you're now my wife yeah yeah it's a little sweeney todd like joanna um this is my guardian kind of situation very uncomfortable older gentleman who you know has like kind of a stockholm syndrome effect on his ward and that's what seems like it's happened here um, they fall madly in love and you see even a scene where he's like making out with Danielle and Dominique is there and Dominique is like, like complaining and just like kind of that's how I imagine her just kind of sniveling. And he's like, uh, this is kind of like ruining my mood, you know, <laughs> like we need to get rid of her. So he's so really that's was, the real reason they did it. Was that so he, not he for just, their health and safety, but because he selfishly wanted to be with her. And she also told him she's like, get rid of her. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to make it happen so that we can like actually hook up. Big problem, though, because it's her spinal column and because of the way that they were together. Anytime she has sex, we find out or anytime they hook up, she loses her dang mind and pops over to the other side. Oop, 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 yeah, that's oop. that's that's maybe a deal breaker for me. I don't know. I don't know what? if I could <laughs> that every time you uh, have sex that you turn into the evil version of your twin sister who's dead. Yeah, probably not the most like optimal thing to happen when you're hooking up with somebody, but like, you know, YOLO, like, I mean, <laughs> no, that, that, no, Mm-mm. I guess you stay conjoined. I don't know. I, I can't make that choice. I don't, I don't know what it, that, that life is like, um, you know, but, uh, anywho, so Grace, <laughs> um, follow, follows and, 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 um, follows them as Emil, uh, escorts Danielle, you know, to this other place. Um, and so she's like on a lead trying to figure out where he's going and what's happening. Um, and so, so yeah, Grace I mean, and, uh, mm-hmm. they Go start ahead. to have, they find each other at the Institute and they end up having an argument and he ends up uh, knocking her out, getting a good, nice little syringe, knock her out. Uh, I so mean, he does she- the craziest thing and not just knocking her out. Basically there's another doctor there and he's like, Hey, her name is Margaret. He gives her a new name makes her sound like she's delusional, makes the other doctor on call be like, oh, she's someone who tried to run away from our institute and it makes her basically commits her without her like knowledge kind of or with her knowledge right in front of her. But anytime she tries to say that it's not her, she looks like she's outgunned by a doctor. It's but I was screaming. It is buck wild, this scene. Yeah, it's really, really awful. And so now she's trapped, like she can't get out. And she uh, she meets Arlene, who is a Lysol, has a can of Lysol, who doesn't want her to use the phone because the phone, she has to think about the phone. So she's trying to call, but now we have a lady. Yeah, germs like, come through the wires, through the mm-hmm. line. You could, the, the germs come either way. Yes, 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 yes. Ah, OCD lady, she's wonderful. Uh, so he uh, drugs her and hypnotizes her and tells her that you know she's going to repeat everything that he says whenever she's asked these questions about what she's seen. Uh, there is no body because there was no murder. So she is. What, what can you do when you're hypnotized, Harry? You there don't know no it. Body when there was no murder. There is no. Oh, oops. It's like it's like vampirism, right? When we talk right. about hypnosis, though, it's like you can do your best, but if you are under this hypnotic spell or this has been done to you. It's really hard to to set free of your programming, and I just felt for her. So now that our our best witness to this murder has now been, excuse me, hip, <laughs> excuse me, sneezies. Have I been hypnotized? What? Um. So um. 
So now she's been hypnotized. So anytime she's asked about this or anything that goes on later, if someone else finds her, it's going to be a problem. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah, we get yeah. A, a really nice black and white kind of memory dream sequence in the asylum where we get to see Dominique's uh, through Dominique's eyes, which is uh, really fun. So uh, Danielle does end up uh, getting pregnant, but loses the baby. Um, and so when Dominique comes forward, uh, when they have sex, this is in the in the what, dream time? sequence. Nightmare in the dream sequence, sequence uh, she he ends up uh, Dominique scalpels his crotch. So she, well, when, she and, tr goes back in that because Dominique doesn't like the doctor and that was the biggest thing. And he's, he was very, she was very up against it, which I think ethically speaking is not wrong. Um, if your doctor is hitting on your twin sister and trying to make out with her in the hospital, I, I think it's a problem. Um, and Dominique really, really, really hated him. So she's incites revenge, but it's the Dominique version of Danielle basically that stabs him in the crotch again. So we mm -hmm. have kind of a, a bookend. Uh, crotch stabbing in this film gorgeous yeah. thank you to Palma <laughs> um, and so, she yeah takes a scalpel and then and, and lights him up but um, yeah 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 yeah, so she has this, you know, we've learned that she's just been a kind of a split personality since her sister died and so Emil I don't know, is it less creepy or more creepy because we think he's just an ex-husband stalking her but then it turns out that he's a doctor trying to help her in a way but he's also a super creepy doctor so I'm not really sure how to feel about that character. He's horrible oh, no, he's either way. Creep. He's, he's horrible creep. either way but like which way is worse? I can't really decide. They're both She terrible. wouldn't be in the problem she was in now if it wasn't for him. That's true. So I think he's truly the ultimate villain in the whole film um, because it, he's, the, he's the inciting incident. You know what I mean uh -huh. though so to speak. So, um, yeah, so he's, 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 you know, been, been killed now and is, is, but, um, and they do it over Grace's body, like yeah. while she's knocked out. While and she's so hypnotized and kind of passed out from the sedation. It's pretty jacked up. So she wakes up to like, ah, like these bodies like rolled over her, just dead <laughs> that have just had a knockdown drag out. And the thing that truly sucks is that now that they're both dead, I mean, obviously, like there couldn't be anything down, but now it just seems like she's a crazy person because she's twanged. She's been mm -hmm. hypnotized. She goes back home. The detective. Well, they, they don't. Um, Danielle's not dead. They arrest her. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, but Emil, Emil's dead. Emil's dead. But the doctor, um, not the doctor, but the uh, detective comes to see her and is like, "Hey, I finally believe you. You know, based on all the stuff that's kind of went down, you were." probably right. Like, sorry about that. My bad. Um, so can you tell me your story now? But she's been hypnotized and she can't communicate that because she's been hypnotized. She's like, repeats exactly what the doctor told her to say. Yep. There and was no body because there was no murder. And he keeps trying to ask her the same question differently. And every time he does, he's just getting this parrot response, which he knows is not the real answer. Like you can see her kind of trying to tell him and can't you can see can't. her fighting it. You can see her fighting mm -hmm. it for sure. Um, and Larch has gone all the way up to Canada. <laughs> Quebec. There we this are. Is, this, this is, is our Canadian cow <laughs> moment. And I wrote couch, C-O-W-C-H, Larch oh, and couch. Goodness. I know because there's a moo cow hanging by like a train station and the couch is wrapped up just chilling somewhere in Canada. It was such a great, this ending delighted me because it. I was like, okay, well, you'll end on uh, Grace being hypnotized and twanged in her room with the cop. And you're like, oh, no. Here's the couch at a train station. We don't know where. And then like pull way the fuck back. And there's Larch on a fucking telephone pole way up in the air just watching. 
watching. And you kind of forget about him like by this point in the movie because he just kind of like is out. And they're like, oh, he's really doing his fucking job. He's been on the case this whole time. He's like, I'm going to figure out eventually. So although he but has he go- checked back in like to know that Emil's dead. No, like, so he's that- still, he doesn't care. He's not going to be you know able I mean? to like, solve this like, case. I was like, you need to check back in because if you knew that Emil is dead, you'd know he's not coming here to collect this fucking couch. Sure. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, the, I would feel like you would just go over and see who was in the couch. Uh, but, you know, he wants to catch them. He's think he's catching the murderer through just chilling. It is so sad, but it's also beautiful and just sad. I was like, no, I think it's just, there is no justice. Of course. (laughs) Of course. But with such a crazy way to end this movie, it it seems so strange and like sideways. I love it. Um, So uh, let's talk about some gore factor. What do you say? would love to do that. I'm going to gore you. How about that? Gore so it. one, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, a puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four, bathtub of blood. Five, run for the barf bag. Um, this is a three for us. This is enough blood to gross out the average viewer. We got some crotch cuts, um, some bloodied stabby stabbies. Um, and I think some of, even some of the stuff in like the, even in the black and white sequence, like with the knives and all that stuff too, is a little, uh, you know, we'll, we'll give you a little. Hello. Uh, mm-hmm. So the movie ratings, zero to five chainsaws. One, if you're desperate, two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. And five, fantastical. So I give this movie a five. Uh, I think Brian, you know, I just enjoy watching what he does. You same. know, same? Yeah, I also gave it a five. Yeah, same. I think um, it's, it's you know, De Palma doing the beautiful thing with the, the shots and like giving you, you know, beautiful split screens. Also, just giving you, like you said, that extra ending where you're like, oh, God, like it's just like <laughs> it's icing. Do you know what I mean, though? Like he's adding just enough where it's not like 10 fake endings. It's just like perfect where it's just also just upsetting enough. And so many little twists and turns, like even from the uh-huh. beginning, like you talking about, it's just like, oh, the beginning I was like, oh, no, I'm already cringing. Like in sure. the first minute and a half, even from the credits, good grief, you know, it's just like. Um, and think about how mm-hmm. this movie begins, uh, right? Mm-hmm. You're on this like crazy peepee tong game show, and then it ends with like Charles turning up at a telephone pole, watching a couch at a train station. It's just all over the place, and it really does keep you guessing because you obviously know something's wrong with her, but you're like, eh, but mm-hmm. it's called sisters, so you mm-hmm. really think she really does have this identical twin psycho, but it's mm-hmm. actually uh, that's not the case. So yeah. uh, Brian De Palma, I love thee. I will. I I want to watch your split screens until the end of time basically for sure for sure and there's a modern movie i don't want to say the name but it's very this and i was like oh okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so i know i'm sure the listeners already know if you know what i'm talking about listeners you know give us a shout out maybe on the instagram facebook twitter um let us know if you figured out what i'm thinking about what i'm cooking i don't know if julia's seen it or not yet so i didn't want to say or did you see it I think it did, but we don't. We can t- we can talk about it later. We don't okay, want to spoil great. anything for anyone. No, I don't want to either because I was like, it's very this. I was like, this is like almost exactly that. So I, it's it's great. Um, it's a fun little update um, on this on a similar kind of story. Um, I love it. Um, I love you guys. You can check us out um, if you want to follow us on all those beautiful platforms on the internet. You can also find us at um, Patreon slash Horror Movie Survival Guide if you'd like to throw a, a little coin to your witchers here, so to speak. Um, and what else, Julia? Teespring. They could get merch. Very soft, cozy, cozy hoodie we have, you know, and some mugs and fun things. So stickers, enjoy. Go crazy. Go nuts. Go bananas. 
And also, if you ever have a recommendation that you would like to cover, we do take uh, requests. We have a list that we look out every time that we schedule our films. So if you have a movie that we haven't done, we do have three episodes, 300 episodes, not just three. 300 More episodes. than 300 now, Julia. More than 300. <laughs> so if you, you do have to go through the back catalog and see if we've already covered it. But send us or recommendations. Not, people just tell us recommendations all the time. We're like, and I love sending them a link back. That's my favorite. So Aww. we like, we got you. We did it. Yes, that's Check true. it out in the archive. Dig deeper. We got you. The deeper right? you dig, Adam's family, watch that one. <sighs> Listen to that one. All right. Yes. We love you, Disco Citizens. We will see you next week. Thank you for listening. Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Rhine. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horrormoviesurvivalguide.